Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara for his, I think this is your first uh, uh, Northern show in a while, isn't it? I don't know. I can't remember. Usually you're live from Florida. Yeah, I don't like this virtual stuff. I'd rather be in the studio personally myself. But yeah, yeah. so if, if you're virtual, I guess it doesn't make any difference where you are. I'm not even sure I like the word virtual, to be honest with you, Justin. But hey, I'm here and we're ready to rock and roll here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we are we are uh, pre-recording again. Again, I, I, I've mentioned this uh, pretty much every week, but uh, I am a soccer coach on Saturday morning. So I, I take a we take a little sabbatical of uh, from live shows, but uh, so this is a pre-record, but it's going to be a good one here. We're going to do a live plan for a real live person. We're going to call him Joe, and uh, Joe, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right. Well, we're looking forward to this. So essentially, what the plan here is is, uh, and we'll, we'll let Joe introduce himself in a minute here, and and uh, you know try to get an idea of of what he's looking for from this planning session that we're going to do. Uh, but you know, he is a a pre-retiree. And uh, he's wondering if whether or not he can retire. So that's uh, right up our alley. We're going to go through uh, a, a live plan for Joe here. Not his real name, uh, but we're going to call him Joe today. I'm going to have him in my software as Joe Guest. And uh, so we're going to go through live on the air and, uh, and see if we can get him an answer on whether or not he can retire. Yeah, and folks, uh, folks who are listening here, uh, we don't know Joe from a hole in the head. Well, we've we've had a couple of quick quick chats, but this is like the normal way we uh, we operate when we talk with folks about the rest of their lives. We we have some software up, 
We ask lots of questions and we kind of plod through this to kind of cover everybody's situation. But we have some data uh, that Joe's been kind enough to send us in advance, but we, we really know very little about each other, which is kind of the fun way to do this from our point of view. So Joe, don't be shy. And I don't think you're going to be, by the way. And uh, we'll just kind of have some fun here and see where it goes. Okay. Sure. All right, so how about you, you take some time uh, and just kind of tell us uh, a bit about yourself and your life and your finances in general, so that people out there listening kind of kind of get a sense of who you are and uh, you know how this all works, okay? Sure, um, well, I'm, right now I'm on the cusp of uh, retirement age, I'm 65, um, looking to, uh, you know, determine through this uh, program whether um, you know I'm I'm stable enough to retire this year, next year, the following year. Just I, I don't have a date um, in mind, but I'm I'm thinking like 67, 68. Um, not necessarily uh, want to stop working, um, so I'd probably like to try and uh, do something, even if I retired from my present position, I would probably pick up something um, uh, to, to augment my, uh, my income. Um, but I'm a single, single person. Uh, so I, I don't have any, um, um, I don't have a, any children to worry about or inheritance uh, issues. So um, just basically trying to get a, a picture of where I stand right now and um, you know, what my options are. Uh, Joe, what uh, what kind of work do you do, and do you love it, hate it, or how how's that work there? What's going on there? Um, I'm in the construction industry. It's okay, um, but it's it's frustrating at times, and I'd like to uh, do something different at the, uh, you know, if I can if I can get into like I said, I'm, I'm more to augment my salary and and also to have something to occupy my time as well. Okay, so you uh, so you would probably look elsewhere for part-time employment. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, in your mind, okay, you, you said both, but w which is more? Uh, uh, do you think you're going to need to to do some work, or are you plan to do some part-time work by choice? Uh, pick pick one I, of those. I, my gut feeling, it's by choice, but I okay. guess this this analysis is going to help determine that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So, so yeah. you, you, you just going to slow down and do something different basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a little later on in the show, uh, ha by the way, have you begun to think about what you might do differently? Have you had any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I kind of look at this as having two components, a financial and a, and a time component um, yeah. for retirement. And that's, I'm in, I'm kind of reading up on, you know, various uh, you know, books on retirement and uh, yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to, I'm formulating that plan right now, but I don't yeah. have, I don't yeah, have okay. it set in stone. Yeah. Okay. So one of the, a little further on down the show here, we're going to be asking you if you choose to work part-time, the, the answer will be yes. You'd think it keep you busy and your mind won't become a vegetable or whatever. Uh, but you know, if you're going to choose to work, we're also going to ask you how much do you think you might be able to earn? You, you might not be able to answer that question for a while, but we're going to have to stick a number in there sometime and maybe it's zero. Okay. Yeah. If you go to work part-time and you're a volunteer, let's try zero. So one of the things we can do is if you did need to earn some 
part-time work and retirement for a period of time, we can probably take a look at how that all works for you and give you an idea. You know, we have these discussions uh, very often and, you know, we, we might end up saying to you, well, it looks like if you're going to go to work part-time, you're going to have to earn like 12,000 bucks a year and you have to do that for six years to be okay or something like that. So, so just kind of keep that in your mind. Yep. Uh, obviously we won't get there today, but, but, you know, we'll st maybe start with a zero and if it looks great, well, then you've got no worries. You've got a lot of things to think about. Uh, the, the other, I guess, thing about your part-time work uh, is that, you know, we, we see a number of folks who kind of need to do some part-time work for a while, you know, maybe to delay social security because it's better or to delay taking some money out of retirement because the numbers work better. Uh, and if, if some of those people have like an expertise and it, it sounds like you may, you know, they're generally better paid working part-time in their industry than not. So, yeah. would, so, you know, if push came to shove, would you do some part-time work in your industry or you're, you're out of there yeah. completely and go from there? How, how's yeah, that work? provided there was something that yeah if, if there was a situation that i could do that then yeah, uh, yeah absolutely i'm yeah. not against going staying in the industry okay okay uh and then so go, going into this show uh so tell um what, what concern yeah what concerns do you have about your life financially right now are you worried about retirement in three or four years or you think you're okay or where, where's your head on that i think i'm okay but with, uh, you know, again, I think un until we run through all the, the variables, um, I'm not sure. I guess that's that's the question. I mean, and then again, a lot depends on, and this is something I've been struggling with, is is what do you peg for an age of death? Uh, that's that's coming right up, Joe. You know, <laughs> that's, that's our second question. Oh, okay. yeah, I know. It's just like, it's all over the place. I mean, I've got, I've got longevity in my family. Yeah. Um, so... That's that's kind of scaring me a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, you know, grand. I had a grandmother that was over a hundred. Uh, you know, my dad was in his nineties. So, yeah, it just that's yeah. that's the one thing that's kind of yeah, just causing it's, some. Uh, yeah, it's you know, a big un. It's a big concern. unknown. I mean, yeah. the good the good news personally is you could lift a ninety five, but financially it could be a wreck by ninety if you go. I mean, yeah, we we understand that. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll we'll model it a couple of ways, and and you know when you start thinking about that. You know, if if you wanted to be real conservative and say that I would live to a hundred, well, that it might be a bad thing to be real conservative because you know well, I, if, you, if, know. if you plan to live to a hundred, you might have to work till you're seventy-eight, if you know what I mean, sort of a thing. But you don't want to go the other side. So yeah, it's a big variable, and we can model it a couple of different ways. Um, right. And the the other part about that. <laughs> And it's kind of, Justin's been doing this long enough to see some of this start happening. But, you know, some of the folks I met in their 50s who said they were going to live to, you know, 78. Now that they're 77, they're changing their minds about how, how, how long they might live. So one of the other points I wanted to make about this is that once we get a plan in place, and, and by the way, we'll finish that this up for you, whatever we don't finish on the year, as a courtesy for the kindness you're showing to, to be with us on board. But one of the nice things about having a pretty detailed plan is that it's just a, a work in motion. We can 
come back and visit it a couple of years from now if something yeah. changes or this, that, or the other thing. So, so it's a it's a living document. If I was to get to sound professional about what we're up to here, Justin, help me out there. Any comments uh, on any of this so far? No, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess you know, from just because we're on the longevity piece of this, uh, and because it is our you know always our second question because that's how the, the software presents it to us. Um, do you want to you do you have a number you want to start with, Joe? I mean, do you want to be on the conservative side? If you have longevity in your family, uh, we can certainly put. A number down that's you know on the higher side of average, right? I mean, if you if you look at you know your 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 probably life expectancy based on just purely that you know everyone in the country, your life expectancy is probably somewhere around eighty five ish, right? Maybe it's eighty four, eighty five. Yeah. Um, but you know we can certainly use a ninety five or even a hundred if you'd like to start, right? And and everything that we do is is easily enough changed with a click. So when we get to the end, if it doesn't look great, you know if. If we have you live into 100 and it doesn't work out, you know, maybe we say, well, um, you know, probably a more realistic number is 95. How does that look? Right. So we can we can always change them. But do you have a starting point? Yeah, I would I would probably start at 95 just due to the okay. longevity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and this to speaking to the the uh, ongoing uh, nature of this document, you know, um, if uh, you know, it's not like you can't adjust some of your expenses down the road if it looks like people are going to live longer than they had planned sort of a thing but yeah. that you know that you know if if two percent of your expenses in retirement are fun you don't you don't have much room to wiggle you know if 20 percent of your expenses in retirement are fun you have some wiggle room in terms of cutting your expenses to make that work so right. yeah you, yeah we, we you know you give it your best shot and if you have to adjust it as you go, that, that's what you do, sort of a thing. So, right. so what are we going to use? You're going to use 95 for this guy? Just, use 95. Okay. That's 2050. Right. 2050. 2050. But, you know, by the way, Joe, I'll tell you up front that if you're age 65 and you plan to die at 70, you can do it tomorrow. Okay. So <laughs> we, we can just end the show. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but we, we get a little nervous when people tell us they're going to die, you know, earlier than that. And maybe they'll be right sort of a thing. But, you know, if you're bound and determined you're going to die at 78 uh, and you miss by a bunch of years, could be a problem. So, yep, yeah, it's... Well, it, if we only knew that, everything would be great, but we don't. All right, Justin, I think we've probably got enough background here to launch into this here. So, all right, we've already got the guesstimate on the age. Okay. okay. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Joe, you, you mentioned uh, up at the beginning, obviously, you know, again, everything is a starting point here. So, uh, you mentioned a retirement date. You know, I think on your questionnaire you submitted to us, you had, uh, you know, 66, 67, 68. Uh, I'm going to throw in 67 uh, just because yeah. you are 66 at the end of this year. So I'd, I'd like to take a look at, for cash flow reasons that we'll that we'll discuss later in the show, I'd like to take a look at what a full year of your cash flow looks like versus your expenses now. Uh, so I'm going to start with 67. Okay. Uh, although, again, that's something that, you know, toward the end, if 67 looks great, we can always, you know, hey, say, what, what about right now? Can we retire right now? So that's just uh, for your info. I'm going to start with 67, but... Uh, we will circle back on that one um, when we start to run some different scenarios toward the end. Yeah, and, and for folks who are listening to this show, um, one of the first things you should do is pick a firm retirement date so that you can have goals to work towards sort of a thing. If, if you're kind of fuzzy about your retirement date, you, you, you know, you might get around to getting it firmed up a little later than a little earlier, you know, from our point of view, the, the more time 
you have to plan for retirement and the and the firmer the time frame that you have it at least gives you a track to run on so so yeah i mean and if you haven't thought about it like joe that's just fine but maybe you ought to start thinking about it i'd really really like to retire at this age and and have a target it might not work it might be great but you know it's easier for us if people are firm about that okay all right moving along okay so retire at 67 okay yeah all right Joe. we always talk uh, because we're you know running uh, generally longer term retirement plans in your case you know we're talking about uh almost 30 years here so um, we are going to use an inflation number. Again, we always start with a 3% inflation number. I'm not sure how closely you follow inflation or, or uh, if it's something. Oh, yeah, different. I've been watching it. It's okay. not okay. doing well lately. <laughs> it's been, yeah, yeah, doing well, yeah. Um, so, uh, again, so we use a, a default inflation of 3%, which is on the high side of the average, right? All of our, all of our assumptions that we are going to throw into the software here are uh, for the most part going to be on the conservative side, right? Obviously, um, you know, your life expectancy, we, we tend to use a conservative estimate. I think, you know, 95 for you is probably on the conservative side. Um, inflation is, uh, you know, historically, if you look back the, over the last 100 years, it's about 2.6% and more recent inflation has been uh, even more muted. I know, you know, we're sort of throwing out the last uh, the last year or so here. Yeah. Uh, but last 25 years, it's been just just over two and in the last 10 years, even um, the last 10 years is, is still under 2% per year. So we, we like a 3% number just to be on the conservative side. Um, I don't know if you have if you have opinions, right, if, if it's if it's your assumption, that we're going to have higher inflation over your life expectancy. We're certainly op open to changing that. Your, your um, guess is as good as ours is what he's saying, Joe. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, just going back <laughs> historically, I, yeah, I've always seen it hovering at two point something. So three yeah. is, is something that's always been in the back of my head for a, for a conservative rate. Um, okay. So, so that's okay. And, and basically, so this, this is also potentially a big variable uh, for many folks. You know, if, if you're 65 and making a retirement plan, you probably don't have to worry as much about inflation as if you're 50, if you know what I mean, sort of a thing. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so it's not a minor issue. Most of the folks that we, uh, we talk to, they don't really have firm opinions about that. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we, we'll go with the three, but we've had people say it's five, or we have people say, no, you're wrong. And, you know, because this is your life, uh, you get to make as many assumptions as we do about how it's going to be here sort of a thing. So, yep. so yeah. And, and uh, okay. So we're, we, we're on board with three. And we hope that's a conservative number, my son, correct? Yeah. Okay. And just, just, just for your information, Joe. So you, you gave us uh, a list of your expenses, which we're going to get into in the next, uh, you know, in the next segment or two yep. uh, the the inflation calculation will apply to everything we put in that's not a fixed expense like you know like a a mortgage obviously is is not an inflated number uh, right. but everything else that we put in will be subjected to that inflation number unless we change it right so you know when, when we you know when we have the discussion about your health care expenses you know we may want to say okay well, well you know what do you think about the you know in health care specific inflation uh, do you think that might be higher or lower? And, and, you know, you can do other stuff, you know, you can, you can say, well, I think this, in, you know, in theory, we could, we could put our own inflation number on every single expense. We, in reality, we wouldn't probably, we wouldn't do that. Uh, but there are some items that we may want to. Yeah. Uh, I think me medical is obviously that's, that's inflating higher than the rest of the uh, categories. Yep. 
Yeah. So yeah, we, yeah when, when we get to that specific line item, uh, we'll, we'll probably have a, a, a bit of a discussion on what we want to use for that. You know, if we want to use four, we could even use five. I mean, you, you name it, we can use it. It's, it's certainly been higher than, than core inflation in recent years. And, uh, you know, hopefully that slows down, but we shall see. Yeah. And um, by the way, the flip side of that, which we'll get into a bit later here, uh, is that uh, there are some pretty good studies around that say that at, at a certain age in retirement, some some of your expenses start to decrease and actually go down. Uh, and, and if you think about that, that would be most of the fun travel, vacations, hobbies kind of play that people have. As you get older, you, you, don't, you don't get to travel as much. You don't get to you know, go out to eat as often, this, that, and the other thing. So there's, a, there's another force working uh, that, that might offset some inflation issues. It might not. And, and we'll have that discussion a little, a little further on down the line. So, Well, right. you have the option. Well, if, if they're fun issues, then they're not necessities. So you can adjust those. Well, yeah, you can, but for some people, the fun is a necessity. So it depends yeah. on how you, it yeah, depends on how you feel about it, right? I mean, yeah. so exactly, exactly, yeah. And you know, we'll we'll probably spend an inordinate amount of time on your expenses for some reasons that will become clear yeah. when we get there. This is always the fun part. Okay, all right. So, Justin, where are we going from here? All right. So we have our inflation at three percent. We have uh, ninety-five life expectancy and retirement at sixty-seven. Again, that's for now. Uh, yeah, it looks like we have enough time before the before the break to jump into another uh, our whole our whole other segment here. So we're gonna we'll talk about uh, Joe's net worth, and uh, we have a residence that you own, Joe. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have a we have a dollar figure in there. It's a, it's worth about five hundred thousand dollars, which is I think you you pulled that up online. Uh, we so you know d just for your information in round one of the plan you know we, we will put your home equity valuation into the software. Um, we'll talk about your mortgage in a second, but you know f f in in plan A at least for most folks we don't ask the software to you know to spend your house right. I mean if you if you go through with your uh, with your you know fall through with all your mortgage payments, at some point you're mortgage free later in retirement. And you know, then you have an asset in your home that's worth you know a fair a fair bit of money by then with inflation, and the software is not going to attempt to spend that unless we specifically tell it to spend it. So it's a, you know a bit of a fail safe. Obviously, there are things like reverse mortgages now. Uh, you could you know if you're working, maybe you could even take out a home equity line of credit if you can qualify for one. So um, yeah. you know the the home equity value that you that you have and have built up is certainly a potential retirement asset. Uh, I don't know if you have thoughts on whether or not it's your preference. I mean, I, I know, I know, uh, with no kids, you're you're not probably looking to leave it to anyone specifically, unless unless you are, unless you have somebody else that you would like to pass the home along to. No, not I, I'm not tied to the home itself. I in the back of my mind, I mean, I've, I've got you know designated people in my will who are going to get the the resi residue of my estate, but. I always, in the back of my mind, I was thinking about the home as possibly if I encountered any issues with long-term care, that would kind of be a bucket of money that would, uh, you know, if I had to go into a facility or something like that, that's, that's where that money would go. Yeah, that, that's a, and that's a sensible way to look at it if you don't have anybody to leave it to. By the way, there are some folks out there listening to us with children are saying, no, nah, uh, you know, part of my plan is I absolutely want to leave my home to my kids, uh, so, sort of a thing. But but for now, we're just taking it out of the 
funds available for retirement and see how it looks sort yep. of a thing. If, if we if we have to go back there because you might need to access some of the equity to live a, your basic life in retirement, that's a that's a whole other ball game. But as Justin said, this is on the sidelines now, okay, in the dugout and uh, possibly we'll rope it back in if we need it. And your t t take about it being a, 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 a an emergency for a nursing home kind of stuff there that, that that's straight on as far as we're concerned. But, but by the way, the I guess the other question before we get to the mortgage on it and whatever is that so is is the home that you're living in going to be the home that you're going to live forever in or what, probably what's your take? not I, I, pro I anticipate maybe one downsizing. Okay. Okay. And, and in your mind, did you have a time about that? That's just something you'll probably do out there given the circumstances. Um, I don't have a time. It's, it's, um, I mean, I certainly enjoy the appreciation that everything's going through right now as far yep. as, you know, I'm kind of looking at that side of things too. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I'm going to, I'm going to be moving into another home, but um, I'd, I'd be downsizing. So I'd at least get some benefit out of that. But um yeah, you know, I, I mean, just rough idea, maybe around seventy. Okay, yeah. so I, I think I think for now, and again, we'll we'll finish this up in person with you or via Zoom after the show. If we run out of time here. Please don't worry about that. But for yeah. now, we're going to assume that you're going to be in that home forever, because yeah. we don't, we don't have any other data about the yeah. new costs and stuff like that. So that's number one. Uh, I I will take one of my I get. Justin, we got about 57 seconds. I don't think I have enough time to get into the downsizing discussion here. So uh, yeah. I mean, I think you want to add before we close up and we'll come back to the fun stuff after the break here. Well, I, I'll just say that in short, you know, the, the downside, we, you know, we, we, we regularly have the downsizing discussion. The important part of it is whether or not it's a financial downsize, right? I mean, you know, we, we, you hear about the, you know, the downsize uh, from, you know, from people who are kind of raising kids in their, uh, you know, in their four bedroom colonial, wanting a smaller place. Um, but if it's not a financial downsize, in other words, if, you know, if, if let's say Joe here, if Joe sells his $500,000 home and buys a $500,000 condo, well, that's, you know, that's really not going to affect the plan much anyway, other than maybe adding a condo fee in that specific case. But um, we can talk more about that on the other side, because we did, in fact, run out of time. So we will be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and we are live planning with Joe from we we won't we won't give too much information uh, about him away. His name actually is not Joe, but uh, he was kind enough uh, to come on and, and do a live retirement plan with us. So we're we're mid plan here. I think we just jump back in. Uh, Dad, did you have something to say? Or should I, I should call you Michael. Is it more? Is it more? Uh, Whatever's appropriate. On the radio. Yeah. I, I have <laughs> did you have some thoughts on downsizing? I, I I know I got into it briefly, but I ran yeah. out of time. So 
I have volumes of thoughts on downsizing. <laughs> okay, so Joe, this isn't necessarily directed at you, but let me uh, let me share some history. I've uh, I, I, I happen to be seventy three years old and have been in the financial business for forty years. Uh, we 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 manage a bunch of money for a bunch of folks, and we've done that for a long time. And in the last decade, I can't think of a client who downsized their home and took money off the table. How about you, Justin? I'll explain that in a moment, but how about you, Justin? A couple, a couple. A couple. Two so okay. far, I think that I can recall in, yeah. in I guess, well, in, in 20 How many years, years is that? In 20 years. That's yeah, not, there you that's go. Okay, so, so Joe, let me tell you how it works. Okay, and folks, if you're listening to me out there, this is really important because, you know, the value of your home, if you need it in your retirement, okay, uh, can, can be a significant uh, good or bad thing to happen. So, so the short story, Joe, is that when people downsize, they never buy a smaller, more yucky house than the one that they're in. They buy a smaller, much better appointed with all kinds of wonderful appliances and molding and carpets and, uh, and amenities than the one that they have. So, so people do not choose to go backwards in the quality of the home that they have in life. So, so what most people do is buy a smaller, better house. Okay. And, and for it, for the last 10 years, and I've had a lot of people retire that I know in the last 10 years, um, the vast majority of them spend what they cleared on the first house and then some, Okay, to get settled in a new one. Okay, so so downsizing uh, in terms of size for sure, convenience maybe a one one uh, a one floor ranch versus whatever, a a absolutely. But okay. downsizing uh, in in money, uh, not not normally the case. If folks, if you're listening to me thinking your house is a piggy bank, and you're going to live on the equity in your home and downsize, you need to reassess that. That, that that strategy because that's just not how it is for the people that we work with but J joe we've actually had people take out mortgages for 50 100 or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in retirement to buy a better smaller house than the one that they sold sort of a thing okay uh yeah. and and joe j just for just for a little uh, experience and a little fun after this show you know, why don't you think about the kind of real estate that you might be looking at, you know, uh, and, and go shopping with what the prices are, right? You know, maybe it's a condo, maybe it's a freestanding home, maybe it's whatever, but, but you know, just for yucks, Joe, start thinking and looking specifically at the kinds of properties that you might move to at age 70. And let's take a look at what they are now. And, and you might be surprised, I, I guess. <laughs> Is where I'm no, going. Well, I, ha I have been looking and yeah. you're right. I, I agree with you hundred percent. There's no bargains out there. Yeah. There's, okay. There's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to clear 250,000 by downsizing. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. And then the other thing is that even if folks are planning to stay in their home forever, you, you know, you got to remember folks that you probably want to make some improvements or modifications before you retire. If you're going to live there, that's going to cost some money. Uh, and basically that's in a different situation. And if you need to access equity in your home, well, if you need to live on the equity in your home, you're probably in trouble 
but we'll see how that goes sort of a thing. Okay, I'm done, Jess. But by the way, the real estate folks call it right sizing. I think that's actually more accurate because that doesn't apply you saved any money. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll be quiet now. I feel better. I'm moving right. along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we should, I just want to point out that we, you know, we say most people don't downsize. Uh, the old man likes to talk in absolutes, Joe. It's not that no one downsizes, but. Uh, hey, anyway. there, there's no gray in the world, Justin. It's pretty simple. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, Joe, let's talk about your mortgage. Uh, okay, so I have a balance of about $230,000, interest rate at 4.25% with a payment uh, of twelve sixty two eighty one. dollars So wh when did you take this mortgage out? Um, 2010. Okay. Uh, and Let me see, I purchased the home in 2010. Yep. I think I did a refinance in between that. Yeah, okay. Based on, based on the numbers that I have in the software, it looks like it's scheduled to uh, to disappear in uh, at the end of 2045. Does that jive with your uh, with your numbers, your understanding of, of how long it's going to be around? You probably did, um, you, did you refinance to a 30 year back in mid decade. Yeah, good. Okay. And, and Joe, while you're, while you're thinking about that, let me do a, a couple of quick asides. Uh, the, um, it, it's kind of general uh, knowledge, which is worth about what, it's, what it says, uh, that when people retire, your expenses have to drop by 20, 25, 30, 35% to, to match your income from social security and your investments. Again, this is just a general comment. Well, yeah, the, the easiest way to save 20 or 25 or 30 or 35% on retirement expenses is not to have a mortgage when you retire. That's not your case. You're going to have a mortgage in retirement. And right. if you do, the only issue is, can you afford it sort of a thing? So that's not a worry if you can, but for right. folks listening to me out there, okay, please understand that if you had a mortgage equal to zero, the date that you retired, you have a huge leap ahead in terms of being able to retire, uh, you know, in terms of ease uh, versus difficulty. It's just simply huge, okay? And and the way it works, and there are probably a whole bunch of people listening to me who, who fit this, you know, you buy your first home, you do a 30-year mortgage, you buy your second home a few years later, you do a 30-year mortgage, and it's probably bigger than the first one. You know, people own two, three, four, five homes. They, they never shorten their mortgage to equal their retirement date. And so, yeah, you could head into- It's another absolute for you, Joe. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm being generic here, okay? But most folks, yeah, we've met many folks who have mortgages in retirement. Uh, if you didn't have one, and if you could work far enough ahead in your life to make that so, Retirement would be a lot less of a chore or a lot more of a slam dunk if that's the case. Okay, I feel better having said that, but you know, it's it's that's just the way it is. So moving right along. Yeah. So uh, you know, we do have you know our next uh, our next section is going to be talking about Joe's uh, financial assets. So we, we will have a discussion about you know I think uh, Joe, you do have assets with which you could pay down your mortgage. Uh, have you considered that or have you considered, and, and have you also looked at refinancing? 4.25 is a little bit on the higher side of average now. Is that something you considered? Let's take those, I guess, one at a time. Have you, have um, you looked at a refi recently? That's been in the back of my head. I wanted to get through this analysis before. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of, again, I'm trying to solidify my retirement plans and then yep. 
once I once I kind of have that more established, then I can then I was going to think about, you know, do I want to how long am I going to stay in the house is, is my big question. Yeah. What's the break even for you doing know? the mortgage? But if you're going right. to be selling it in three years, right. it's probably not not much worth, worth it to be. But you don't know that. But that's exactly oh. the question that you want to ask, you know, how long you're going to be there. Good. Good. Yeah, point. And I need to hone in on that. On yeah. That date. Yeah. It, it might be better to use some capital if available to just against the new home as opposed to paying off the mortgage. It kind of depends. So, yep. Good, good point. I mean, we, I mean, using assets right now to pay off the mortgage or pay it down. I mean, what am I sacrificing in terms of uh, investment gains? Yeah, we, we don't know, but we're going to let you know about that when we get further downstream here. Yeah, we, we, uh, we, we will. Uh, the software has an ability to do a variety of scenarios and spit out a probability of success. So we're going to ask it that question when we get there. We promise. We don't know. But yep. uh, but Monty does. Uh, we have a an, it's called okay. a Monte Carlo analysis, yep. and we'll get to that. You know, if people don't know what that is, they're just going to have to listen to the show for the next uh, uh, hour and change here to figure it out. But yep, so gr that's a great thought. What do we want to assume now? I guess uh, Joe, in terms of how this works, do we, do we want to just assume the status? Let's let's just assume the status yeah. quo and see how yeah. it goes, and we can kind of tweak things after we see what the status quo looks like. Would that be okay? Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, you know, for, from our point of view, right, what your, uh, you know, what, what's sort of the ideal strategy with your mortgages obviously depends on, you know, whether or not you're going to move. And that's, you know, if, if, if this was your forever retirement home um, and, you know, we, we, we probably have a more serious discussion about at least potentially paying it off, right? When we get to the investment rates of return, right, you have a, you have a four, you know, you have a four and a quarter percent mortgage. Um, and right now you've, you know, because I've already seen your investments and because they're, you know, they're invested fairly aggressively, obviously you're making more than four and a quarter in, in, in your returns, but that's not necessarily the case when you retire, right? We, you know, if you, if you're a particularly conservative investor, we're not sure, you know, you, you may not be making 4.25 on an annual basis at some point in the future. So right. those are just discussions that we should have. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting that you're doing something wrong, just trying to get an idea of what your thinking was in, in your current situation. So. Yeah. And for whatever it's worth, I've been in this business for 40 years and I've never told anybody to take out a mortgage and give me the money so we can invest it and make more. Th th theoretically, that might be possible, but human life gets in the way of some of those assumptions going forward. So, uh, We'll see where that goes from here. Joe, do you have a preference to be mortgage-free in retirement, or or do you, does it not does it not matter to you one way or the other? Um, I guess it it doesn't matter if I can afford it, yeah. but I, I mean mortgage-free would be preferable. But okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think most people prefer to not have the mortgage. Although uh, you know, it's certainly not everybody, and you know, depending on what how you're invested and, and what your you know the, what the rest of your financial situation is, uh, you can certainly make a case for holding the mortgage. Um, but it just depends on the rest of the of this of the circumstances, which we'll get into right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, by the way, so if you do hold the mortgage and keep it steady, then the money that you have set aside, we're going to make some certain earning assumptions and we'll see what the math looks like. You know, by the way, if it's a coin flip, pay off of the mortgage or, or earn money, hey, you go with paying off the mortgage because that's the guarantee. You know what I mean? Yep. All right. Uh, so the only other debt, uh, no, no other real estate holdings, Joe, just the home? Correct. Uh, I'll I'll delete this stuff out of the software as we so go. While, while he's doing the, the keyboard, do you have a home equity line of credit on the home? No. Have you ever had one? 
Uh, yeah, I had one in the past. Never okay. used it. So, so you know how they work, basically, correct? Yeah. 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 Again, and I haven't I haven't seen all your financials yet. Uh, I, I like to do this uh, blind, but uh, you know, I would often recommend that people put a home equity line of credit on their home just as a backup to emergency reserves in case you have a big emergency. If, if it doesn't cost anything to get one, and if it doesn't cost anything to have one, having the ability to write a check, uh, you know, on your own to do something may make some sense. But by the way, you know, if you're going to be looking for a down payment on a new home in four years, and if you had a $100,000 equity line of credit on your home, one good use of that would be to write that check and, and, and just kind of pay off the mortgage later. But just something to think about. Again, if you've got $7 million in the bank, that's not that's a minor issue sort of a thing. But but it's generally prudent to have an equity line of credit only as a backup for emergency reserves and things like that. Uh, you know, people can get carried away and they, they, they can get into a lot of trouble financially with them. But we, we, yeah. prefer, to look at it. we prefer to look at them as backup and it makes sense. Moving along, Jess. All right, so a car loan is the only other uh, debt that you have, is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't see an interest rate on the, on the sheet that you gave me, but uh, it's probably, um, probably a fairly good interest rate and not something, that, I, I would assume that's not, worth refinancing here. Um, but all right, so you had a uh, $400, well, $392 in car payments. All right, I think we can move on to your accounts. Okay, so, you know, why don't we, uh, let's see, what do you think? Should we should we do risk tolerance before we go through his account values or, or how do you want to, how do you want to handle that, Dad? 13 minutes. Justin, uh, you, your, your call. I, I'm neutral on that. Okay. Well, let's, let's go through uh, Let's go through everything uh, just to make sure we have all of his assets in correct. Uh, and then if we have some time before the break, we can start the risk tolerance piece. But all right. So, Joe, you, you were kind enough to provide me uh, with all of your uh, your accounts, which which I, I, all, I have every one of them in the software as a potential source of assets in retirement, right? So, so you know, as of now, what I did was I put them all in, and I, I told the software, "Hey, you can grab any of these funds if you know to fund retirement spending." Uh, do you have a savings account over and above what you gave me? Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't see any bank statements, so I assume you have some money sitting in the bank in savings, or is or, or are some of the assets um, that are in here, you know, yeah, your, your thought, savings? Um, I thought I had uploaded um, the bank statements. Okay. No, I didn't. So all I had was I have uh, purely just investment statements. So do you you have money in the bank? And I, I guess you know, yeah. you know for, for for your information and for the listeners, uh, we we tend to leave bank cash out of retirement plans because most people don't plan to spend. You know, people don't tend to plan to spend their checking and savings accounts down to zero, right? You know, we we people like us are constantly preaching, oh, you should have a savings account. And so uh, we, we believe that uh, should also be the case uh, through retirement. So if it's, if you don't, if, if it's money that you don't plan to spend and just, you know, you plan to keep it in savings, we can just pretty much ignore it. Um, the only reason that we wouldn't is if it's, if the assets there are so substantial that you, that you are counting on them uh, and planning on using them for retirement. Yes, they are uh, a little bit substantial. Okay, okay round it uh, off. What, what do you have in checking versus savings for us? Um, I got one account with um, 81,000. That's savings? Say, yeah. Yep. And um, I mean, they're 
combination checking savings. Yep. Um, and another one with 62,000. Okay. Uh, so, so you don't break out checking and savings. It's like one account in the checking. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the savings, there's so little interest on savings. I think it's just yeah. all, yeah. all. One is a savings, and I'm so, getting a minor amount of interest on the one that's 62,000. Okay. Um, how about how about for now? By the way, uh, I think it's great that you have that much savings, okay? Uh, because if you have adequate emergency reserves, you probably don't have to mess with your money before you plan to, sort of a thing, okay? And so, so if it's okay for now, we're just going to pretend you don't have that money, and I'm going to guess it's probably not going to change your life one way or another. And I also am going to guess that it's very comfortable to just have that uh, you know, money to look at because it allows the rest of your money to work without you having to touch it in an emergency sort of a thing. Okay, well, yeah, but it does. I mean, it is bothering me that it's not doing anything. Well, okay. Let me try to let me try to uh, analyze that for you. Okay, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, uh, the the well, reason. No, hang on, hang on. So, <laughs> if he's if he's planning on using this for, I mean, what, what we generally do, Joe, is we say, you know, let let's pick a number that you feel comfortable with as your emergency reserve as your, as your emergency yeah. fund, and yeah. then. You know, usually what we would say is everything over and above that you, you know, is probably you probably should be investing, right? So I mean, if if your number that if the number that makes you comfortable is fifty thousand dollars, right? Then then your hundred and forty three thousand, you know, you, you could make a, a pretty good case that you you have ninety ninety three thousand dollars. That's probably not as efficient yeah. as uh, as it should be. Whereas, I mean, on the other hand if having $143,000 in the bank makes you feel comfortable, if that's the number that you would, that you like to have in the bank and, and you're not particularly worried about uh, what the return is, then we can just leave yeah. it as is. Right. Yeah. But, and I'm in that camp because he, he hasn't been motivated enough to do something with it, Justin. That means well, that's how it sits. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it, sure. Okay. Depends Joe, depends on how you want to look at it. Okay. Do you want us to, spend some of that money in your investments you want us to pretend it doesn't exist and see how it looks what's your pleasure yeah i mean let's start out pretending it doesn't exist i mean one of the thoughts i was having was i mean i'm i'm contemplating you know what age do i start collecting social security and do i delay that even if i retire do i delay that to 70 to maximize the payment yep because that way i mean i'm getting something that's being adjusted for inflation automatically. Um, and then this, uh, this cash could supplement those years in between where I'm yeah. maybe possibly working part time, and still not attaching, yeah. attacking my um, investments. By the way, you're in an admiral position that you have that yeah. trust that could probably fulfill that responsibility and still leave your cash as is, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Okay. All right, Joe. Joe, yeah, like, you're he doesn't even need good. us, does he? He's got all, he's got it all figured out here. It's looking pretty good here so far, <laughs> Justin. I got to tell you. Uh, okay. So yeah. So we're going to ignore your cash, by the way, uh, if you talk to 10 people who are retired, okay. Uh, nine of them will say well, that they're, they're either, they're very comfortable with their large emergency reserves or, they're very uncomfortable not having a large emergency reserves in a bank. So let's just forget about it for now and see how it goes. Okay. okay. What, what you don't want to do is retire and have 10 or $15,000 in the bank. And every time you need money, go to an IRA and pay taxes yeah. sort yeah. of a thing. That's the flip yeah. side. 
okay, so I'm going to leave that. I'll, I'll leave it in the software as you know, as as you are, uh, as the two of us, the three of us on the Zoom can see. Uh, I'll, I'll put the 143 in, but I'm going to say it's it's unallocated, so it's not going to be spent for retirement yet. If we want to go back uh, and repurpose some of that money, we certainly can. Uh, I'm betting he doesn't need this in the end, Justin. I'm on record for that right well, don't now. Give, don't give okay. away the ending. I, I, I don't know if it is the ending. I said I'm betting that's the <laughs> ending. Okay. Yeah, we can end the call right now. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. We got another hour and five minutes. That's right. We got 57 more minutes of radio to do here. Uh, uh, Okay. Uh, all right. So I have that in there. So you have, uh, let's see, we have, Joe, you have a 401k uh, to which you are contributing and you are maxing that out. Is that correct? Yes. I'm just not doing the catch up contribution. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're, 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 so you're hitting exactly the, yeah. uh, the underage 50 maximum. Okay. Are, are you okay with us using the numbers that you have, or do you want to just keep moving and not, not tell you account totals? What's your pleasure? I'm sorry, say that again. Okay. Are, are you okay saying your 401? Are you okay with us saying there's this much in your 401k or do we just keep that off the air and yeah, just kind no, of? That's okay. 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 All right. So your 401k, uh, about $285,000. These are, I, I know you gave me very exact numbers on your, on the statements that you sent in, but I, I just, you know, I rounded to the nearest, yeah, you, know, to, you know, 10 or $100 here. So uh, 285,500. Uh, is in your 401k account and you're adding uh, $19,500 annualized to that account. Uh, looks like you have a trust account. So you have done some, you have some estate planning in place, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Um, uh, the value is about 293,000 and the cost basis is 212. Uh, you have a couple of rollover IRAs. Just going back, what do you, what do you, What's, what are you saying when you say the cost basis? I'm sorry. Bad. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I, I jumped right over that. So the cost basis, and I can actually pull it up on the screen here. It's what you paid for it versus what it's worth and what your tax rates capital gains on. Right. So I, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm I want to say I have this yeah. right. That, yeah. So if you, if you look at this, I don't know if you have those statements that you sent me in front of you, right? So you, you got a, the, the values 292,933, and then there's the total gain loss number which is 81. So all I did was subtract 81 okay. from 293 and that's a $212,000 cost basis. So essentially if you if you sold everything inside, you know, if if you liquidated that entire account. Let, let's say, you know, you decided, "Hey, I want to pay off my mortgage and I have just enough money in this account to pay it off." Uh, you could in theory just liquidate the trust account. Uh, if you did so, you would have an $80,000 capital gain on that. So in other words, you, you'd have to pay taxes on yep. an additional $80,000 in what's in what's likely long-term capital gains. Um, and, uh, you know, you'd have a tax bill that would be associated with that. So because, you know, the software that we're going to, you know, when, when we run this software, uh, we will be calculating taxes on an annualized basis. So uh, we need to have that that data in for, uh, for our own purposes here. So uh, that's what the cost basis is. Uh, okay, couple of IRAs you have. Uh, those are you know pretty straightforward. Um, a couple of rollover IRAs, uh, which are traditional IRAs, deductible and will be taxable on the way out. You have one for 421, one for 327. Uh, we have a little smaller Roth IRA, about 16,000. Uh, we have bank accounts, and then you have a, a uh, an account with an insurance company. Uh, I did have one question on that. That's not an annuity is it 
No, that's a, that's a mutual fund. Yeah. Okay. That's just a, a yeah. Okay. Directly held mutual fund. That's what I yeah. thought. Do you know when you bought that? How long you've had that? Oh, that was like my very first investment. Is probably had that for. Oh really? Thirty something. Wow. Years. Good for you. Oh, wow. wow. The statement that the statement that you sent over did not have a cost basis on it. So if you, if you've had it for that long, I'm just going to use a very very low cost. It hasn't basis. done that well. I think my initial my initial investment was like five thousand. Okay. We're just going to fudge that for now, and we can get to the the specifics later on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the, there's you know I, I think you know the cost basis. If we miss by uh, you know if we miss by five grand on what your yeah. capital gain is in that particular investment, it's probably not going to you know change the software too much. So we won't you know if, if we want to dig into more detail and get this all exactly correct, uh, we'll certainly uh, we can certainly follow up after the uh, after the show and after this session, but we'll. We won't, we won't spend too much time having your research stuff, at least not right now. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's it for accounts. Now, before, I don't think we're going to have time to fully do, you know, how we, how we get these invested, but uh, we have a couple of minutes here before the next break. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell me in your mind what your investment strategy is and, and how, you know, A, A is, you know, I, I, I took a look at your statement, so I sort of know what you have can you, in your own words, tell me, you know, how you're invested, uh, you know, in, in all of your accounts combined or one by one and, you know, sort of what was the thinking behind it and, and are you aggressive or conservative or. Well, I, I feel like I'm kind of on the aggressive side. I mean, some of the, um, I have a, some of the 401k is managed. Yep. And basically all I did was try to mimic those investments in the other, okay. in my other, that's my strategy. Okay. Basically, what, per, what, what percentage of all your money's in stocks versus bonds? Can you round that off for us? Um, or do you know? Or do you know? I thought it was, I thought I saw at one point it was like 60, 40. That, did, that didn't seem right though. I, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Justin, I, Justin I, I see some assumptions you made in there. So you obviously know how each of those is mixed, correct? Yeah. So I, I went through and I took a look at each one of your accounts and, you know, I made some, I, I didn't, uh, I don't one, have exact. One minute, Justin, by the way, one minute. Exact number. Okay. Is that, we are yep. down to a minute. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Anyway. So, okay. So, yeah. So I, I went through and I made some assumptions uh, based on, of returns based on what I saw in those accounts, right? I pulled up all the holdings. I, you know, I said, oh, hey, what's a stock fund? What's a bond fund? And I actually did. Uh, you know, crunch the numbers and say, okay, well, this, you know, this account is aggressive, right? So when your 401k is aggressive, right? There, there, there are no bond positions in that one. And then I just went through account by account and I pulled them all up and, and, you know, in, in short, and I know we got to spend some more time on this after uh, you, you certainly are on the aggressive side of things, right? I think, you know, your trust account is, is your one account that's, you know, that I would consider sort of more middle of the road, uh, but all of your other accounts are either all equity or, or primarily equity, right? So, you know, whether or not it's, you know, eight, 70, 80% of the money in, in stocks. Uh, yep. But we'll spend some more time uh, after the break because we are up against it here. So we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 